As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's Fantasy Baseball 15, we'll identify a few overlooked options for power. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It worked great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, March 16th. I'm Al Melker. With me for this episode is Michael Beller. And Michael, before we get into the latest news and all the, the fantasy relevance, I uh, understand you've got a message for us regarding Ding Yu. Yes, indeed I do, Al. Ding Yu is here. The NCAA tournament is here. We're going to be covering it all tournament long here at The Athletic with something we're calling Ding Yu. We will be live streaming this on our YouTube page. Every day there is an episode, and then that will also be running as a traditional podcast on our regular daily Ding feed. This will be a heavy betting focus on this. We'll talk about just some traditional on-court analysis as well. So please check us out, Ding Yu, on our YouTube page, or just go to the daily Ding feed. You can get it there, too. Very excited. All right. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, well, let's get to the latest news uh, here in spring training. And a couple of the more notable items both involve third baseman and, and in a way sort of involve the Braves. Well, this first one definitely involves the Atlanta Braves mm-hmm. with Austin Riley, who had been absent for several games. He is back with the team. And now we have a better understanding of what was going on there uh, because he cleared the COVID-19 protocol. Uh, so it's not clear exactly whether there was contact or a, a positive test. But in any event, Austin Riley is back with the team. And he is the presumed starting third baseman. Are you secure in that when you you know look at him for your upcoming drafts in terms of you know evaluating how much he's going to play and what sort of stats he'll put up? Yeah, I am, Al. And you and I did the Braves episode during our team preview series with David O'Brien, and he was very comfortable calling Austin Riley the locked-in starting third baseman. And, you know, we know that Jake Lamb, Johan Camargo, those guys are going to get their time. I don't think anyone's uh, penciling Austin Riley in for 162 games started, but he's going to be the guy. And yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with the power. Uh, you know, I think that he's a 25 homer guy as a floor and maybe he can push up into the low thirties. I mean, you know, it's just his third year in the majors. And when you combine his first two years, he still hasn't put together a full 162 game sample, 
But yeah, I think we have a good idea of what sort of player he is. There's going to be plenty of power for Austin Riley. The rates, no matter if you use batting average or OBP, going to be a little bit of an issue. He's probably not going to steal many bases hitting in this Atlanta offense, even though he's going to be in the bottom third of the lineup. Most likely he's still going to get his fair share of RBI opportunities. Like I'm not reaching for Austin Riley, but with where he goes in most leagues, with where his where his ADP is, I feel very comfortable uh, as uh, with him as a late power option. I think you're going to get that power pretty much no matter what. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of risk there. He's going beyond the first 200 picks in the vast majority of leagues. So uh, definitely a, a relatively uh, risk-free source of power there. But you know, every year, Michael, there, there's things that I miss uh, in terms of, you know, going back over the previous season. And and one of the things that really kind of snuck by me, and it's easy to do because last season was so short, right. was that uh, Riley really brought down his strikeout rate. And that was the thing that, you know, cost him fantasy value in 2019. It cost him playing time. And he really brought that down to a reasonable level in 2020. Now, as you mentioned, he's got parts of two seasons here. So he's a hard guy to project. You know, do you look for maybe a higher K rate this year or last year on the downside hit more ground balls? So we saw a little less power from Riley. But boy, when he launches it, he's been really good at uh, putting a lot of power (laughs) behind those airborne balls in 19 and 20 combined. So basically over Riley's career so far, he's averaged 94.1 miles an hour on, on exit velocity on flies and liners. And while that's not elite, it puts him above a lot of really trusted power hitters like uh, Trevor Story, Michael Conforto, Mookie Betts, Reese Hoskins. He's got legit power as long as he gets the ball in the air. Yeah, and you know what? I would actually be okay. Like if we could, if we could draw a straight line from he cut down his strikeouts and that led to more ground balls, and then the player we saw in 2020 was basically what we can expect in 2021. I'd be okay with that. I would trade some power to reduce the strikeout rate in the way that he did last season. And he's going into his age 24 year. So I think we can look at that with a, a reasonable um, you know, bit of certainty that maybe this was a guy who who went into last season wanting to make that change and was capable of making that change because he's such a young player and it was you know, coming off his first taste of extended time in the majors. I think all of those are, even though we can't sit here and say with absolute certainty that that is what happened, I think we have enough pieces to the puzzle to fill in the blanks that we don't have yet. So I think that we see something, you know, maybe not down at the 23.5% of a K rate that it was last year, but I think we play a lot closer to that with Austin Riley than we do with where he was in 2019. And I will live with that also being a reduction in his power if it means just more balls in play, uh, more contact. I think this is a, a net gain for him, even if it means a little bit less of a power ceiling than what we thought he had in 2019. Yeah, well, with a lot of players, especially somebody as relatively inexperienced as Riley, we just have to make our best guess in terms of how that progression is going to move into 2021. But there's certainly a lot there to like about Austin Riley. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Now, part of the reason, Michael, that I, I preface this whole discussion about Riley about playing time was that not too long ago, Michael Franco was linked to the Braves in talks, but it looks like he's going to wind up with the Orioles, according to John Heyman. He's finalizing a deal with Baltimore, so uh, he won't mess up the third base situation in Atlanta, but that's a pretty nice landing spot for Franco. Um, last season, the 278, 321, 457 slash line with the Royals. Uh, do you see improvement on that with him going to a much better power park? I don't. I mean, I think that what we saw with him last season is basically a best case scenario. And he's sort of similar to Riley, right? I mean, I think that the, I think the expectations for power should be a little bit less with Franco. Uh, but they're, they're, you know, two branches of the same tree where you're going to get pretty solid power. And especially with where you're going to have to draft him, you'll obviously take that sort of power any day of the week. And the rates are going to be a little bit of an issue. Not quite the, uh, downside, not quite the rate floor that Riley has, but a little bit not uh, uh, the the power ceiling either. So I think we're looking at similar players. I would prefer Riley if we were talking about them 1v1 because I just uh, am com- more comfortable betting on the youth uh, of Austin Riley, more comfortable betting on the pedigree that we can still lean on this early in his career. Franco had you know something approximating that pedigree when he first broke into the majors, but you know at, eight, at age 28, we can reasonably say he's not going to get to that level. And then definitely way more comfortable and just a lot more ceiling with that Atlanta offense. So I do prefer Riley. I don't think we're going to see Franco basically take last year and double it or, you know, two and a half times it uh, over a 162 game season. I don't think he's that type of player over 162. He proved last year he can be that type of player over 60. And I think maybe we'll see a 60 game sample like that again this season from him. But I don't think we're going to suddenly see him be that player for a full season. I think that was just more uh, the right 60 games coming up for him last year. Well, the, I, you know, I look at this in two different ways. So part of me looks at, at Franco having played all those years in Philadelphia, playing in a great power park there and putting up good but not great numbers because he doesn't he doesn't you know really have a lot of sock in his bat. He just benefited from playing in a, a really good power park. But he's going back to one. And then I thought, okay, well, who on the Orioles might profile similarly to Franco? And there's really, from last year's squad, there wasn't really anybody that was that close. But the closest was Anthony Santander, who had a very similar strikeout rate. And not really terrific power in terms of exit velocity, but all he does is hit fly balls. <laughs> and Franco's never really been much of a fly ball hitter, at least not uh, towards the extreme end of it. So if we somehow get a, a big change in Franco's batting, uh, batted ball profile, I think maybe 30 homers are in reach, but that's, that's really hoping for a lot. That's a, that's just a huge change for a guy to make too. And there's no telling what sort of downstream effects a change like that will have on the rest of his game, right? I mean, home runs are awesome, but uh, (laughs) you don't want them to be the only part of your game that shows up. And so, you know, there's a, there's a way where Franco sells out for more power and hits more fly balls and is a worse overall player, even if it makes him a, you know, more attractive power hitter. So I, I just think, I think that is a little bit of wish casting on Franco. It absolutely is. I will fully admit it. And I'm certainly not going to draft him based on that. It's just, a, I guess, a best case scenario. But uh, one more player I just want to bring up here, because in researching Riley and Franco and Santander, I, I went to StatCast or I went, went to Baseball uh, uh, baseball Savant to look at the StatCast data. And there was a name that popped up there looking at the 2019-2020 Exit Velocity and Flies and Liners leaderboard that really st- really snuck up on me, really surprised me. And that is Jorge Alfaro ranks 24th in that stat uh, 
out of uh, the, the pool that hit at least 150 batted balls. So large pool. And he's in the top 25. I think the total pool came out to about 240 players. So, you know, when you look at who's his neighbors on that leaderboard, uh, I mean, you know, at the top, it's elite power hitters. But then, you know, just ahead of him, you've got guys like Bryce Harper, Marcelo Zuna, Ronald Acuna Jr., CJ Crone, Jose Abreu, and then right after Abreu, Alfaro, and then Shohei Otani and Rafael Devers. So, I mean, that's some impressive company, but... He does strike out a lot. Alfaro does, yes, does. Uh, you know, not a big fly ball hitter either, but uh-huh. you know, so again, maybe, maybe in the category of wish casting here, but I still think there's, there's some room for development there. And you know, a couple years ago with the Marlins, uh, you know, some pretty, pretty decent power output and for where he's going in drafts in a, in a catcher pool that's paper thin. I think he's worth, worth a late round flyer. Yeah, I, I think that's really the where the where we're going to be focusing our love for Alfaro is what you said at the end there. The fact that it's such a thin, it's such a shallow pool of catchers that when you get to his stage, you're comfortable making that bet that he can hit a best case scenario power season and give you you know 15 or 18 or maybe even push 20 homers if things go really really well for him uh, because of that raw power. But I think this is more a case of you know Statcast numbers being great but just being one data point in an entire player picture. And a lot of the rest of the picture doesn't look so great for Alfaro. Well, uh, one more quick thing in defense of Alfaro, because he does strike out far too much, but I I would not treat him as a typical player that strikes out a third or more of the time because he hits a lot of line drives and doesn't pop up. So I think those high Babbitt rates that have counteracted the strikeout rates in his stat page, I think those are legit. So Another sure. reason I think he goes a little farther under the radar that maybe than maybe he needs to. Yeah. Okay. I think we can, I think we can uh, agree on that right there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, there's another news item we can just hit on really quickly here, which is uh, good news for TJ Antone, who we mentioned on Monday's show. He is expected to make his next spring training start, and he also showed up in your stock watch column, Michael. So I'm curious as to. Uh, who in that column, as you were doing your research and your writing, who really stood out to you as a riser or a faller to really take seriously? Yeah, the one who I'm going to go to here is actually a guy who I've put in the last two as a stock down player, and it's Kevin Biggio. I'm just, I just don't see how he gets his way to the top of Toronto's order. We know George Springer's going to hit leadoff. We knew that from the day they signed him. And I think a lot would have to go wrong for Marcus Semien, and a lot would have to go right for Biggio early in the season for those two guys to flip. So now you're talking about a guy who has some serious hit tool questions hitting sixth at best in that order. There's still plenty to like about Kevin Biggio. And if I was getting him a round or a round and a half off of what his ADP is now, I would be totally comfortable with that. But as so long as he is getting drafted where he's drafted inside the top 70 picks among guys who are just much safer, and some guys I think we even have higher ceilings, I just can't get it on him. So he's someone who, if I am not getting a meaningful discount, it's pretty easy for me to ignore on draft day. All right. One final question here relating to that and to a player we discussed on Monday's show, Jose Altuve. Between the two, who would you rather have this year? I'd rather I'd rather have Altuve. I would much rather be betting on a bounce back from Altuve than a you know big step forward for Biggio. I, I just feel way more comfortable with that. How about you? Well, yeah, two thumbs up, one from you, one from me on Jose Altuve <laughs> here. So I think yeah, combination of a player who's being overdrafted and one who's really being underdrafted. So we are in agreement there. So on well, that positive note, we're going <laughs> to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball 15. 
If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you do take the time to do that. And while you're at it, we would greatly appreciate it if you fill out our listener survey. Just click on the link provided in the show notes. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and we'll be right back here on Wednesday. 